Aerosmith to Simon and Garfunkel. We will be taking a look at all the hits. So grab a beverage, find your lazy boy, set it to recline, and tune in. The Kickback on VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. It's on the clock with Nick Lebrano and Gabe Baltera here on VIC Radio. You are now on the clock here on VIC Radio. I'm your host, Nick Lebrano. Alongside me, co-host Gabe Baltiera. Gabe, how are you feeling early on this Saturday morning? I'm feeling good, Nick. How about you? I'm pretty tired myself. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, feel that. Uh, we got a huge weekend of uh, Week 3 football. Week 3 already underway. Thursday night football. Two nights ago, Panthers defeated the uh, the Texans in what should not be an absolute shock to anybody. Uh, the Texans are absolutely one of the worst teams in the entire NFL. So, Gabe, uh, I'll ask you, what are your initial thoughts here? So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Panthers, I was going to have them to win. Um, but what surprised me was CMC going out early. I mean, who would have thought? Yeah, hamstring that's pretty, injury. That's pretty bad for the Panthers, not going to lie to you. I feel, but, you know, the Panthers played well. They're, the Panthers' D played really well, too. I was surprised to see that happen. Um, but, you know, as you said at the beginning of the show, first week, like, Texans didn't surprise me. Really didn't surprise me. I... Like even when I saw this game, I was like, "Yeah, Carolina's got this in the bag. There's no question." The Texans is just, it's just, the franchise is just all over the place. It's all over the place. It doesn't make any sense. So, good good game for Carolina. They got the win. They're three and zero. I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Sam Darnold does look great. I know. Uh, yeah. I, and I called it because Sam Darnold on the Jets was not a bad quarterback. The Jets just refused to put a quality team around him. And that's what they're gonna do to Zach Wilson now. But. Sam Darnold's going on to really what's a Panther offense that's competent. Yeah. He's thriving, throwing for 304 yards against the Texans. Uh, looking back, he had against the Saints, he threw for 305 yards. And then against the Jets, Sam Darnold threw for 279 yards. So he is really airing the ball out well. And DJ Moore has been that huge number one receiver that he's not been able to have. And now he had CMC, CMC. He had six points for my fantasy team before he went out in the second <laughs> quarter. But Chubba Hubbard is going to take his spot. He looks pretty good. He's pretty good. Off the ball. He has like he has crazy acceleration off the ball. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he's no really CMC, but. No, he's no obviously no CMC. Maybe in some point, maybe in his career he will be. But right now, he's not a, you know, he's a rookie. He's a rookie running back. But off the ball, like you pass the hand off the ball to him and he's got this he got this explosion in his step that's definitely going to help propel the offense especially in the Panthers which really is a good run it it is a it really is a run, run offense. heavy offense yeah um they look a lot of run option and now they're going to need they're going to need Chubba Hubbard to step up in a big way yeah uh looking forward but, but i mean it was a good game and as you said like to Sam Darnold is playing 
so much better, much better than he did at the Jets. And it's because he has an offense that works for him. Mm-hmm. He has an offense that wants him to get better. And we saw it against the Texans. We saw it against the Saints. We saw it in week one. He's just playing in his element right now. And it shows. And allow us to introduce our special guest this week, Dylan Hendersmith. Woo! Here on, Dylan. on the clock. Hello, hello. Dylan, All right. what are your thoughts on the Panthers coming out of now 3-0? and They are the only team now in the NFL that is yet to – they are the only team in the NFL that has not uh, trailed at any point this well, season so far. I want to say like one big shocker I have noticed with this team is that front seven on the defense of uh, the Panthers' defense, they are absolutely phenomenal. Like. They shut down anything that the Texans want to do with the run. Like, they could not get anything going. Like, Mark Ingram, 21 yards. David Johnson, 21 yard, 11 yards, sorry. And Philip Lindsay, 5 yards. Like, that's absolutely absurd, especially with a rookie quarterback. Like, you're, you wanted to rely on the run if you were the Texans, but they actually shut that what down. What really is embarrassing in that stat line, Philip Lindsay, 7 carries, 5 yards. Yeah. That's like, just sad, a seven, man. Well, it's not even a full yard a carry. <laughs> like, that is all, especially yeah, what you say about having a rookie running uh, rookie quarterback. Davis Mills is a is a rookie quarterback playing for the Texans now. You got to be able to run the ball. Yeah. More than more than what they did. What did they run the ball? A total like maybe forty. I think it was like forty two total rush yards. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it got to be more than that. It, it it was absolutely shocking. Like and even seeing it week one with the Jets, like that they had like a breakout party in the first half. Where Zach Wilson could not get the ball off in time at all because of that front seven just absolutely creating havoc against that Jets D, uh, O line and just even continuing to week two. Is just yeah, they attacked Jameis Winston. Yeah, like it was just like just being led by like Derek Brown and Brian Burns. Like they're creating havoc for any quarterbacks going on, and it's gonna be interesting what they do if they can keep this up or if there's any like holes in that front seven that they're gonna exploit. And if they stay healthy. They're a unit to be reckoned with in mm-hmm. the NFL. Yeah, and Derek, no one really – Derek Brown, sophomore season. He's, yeah. the, he's an Auburn defensive tackle. Uh, came out of the draft last year. He was a top-10 pick. No one really talks about him. No one really likes to talk about nose tackles in the NFL. But no one – I don't think people really understand the impact that nose tackles actually have. Like, even you look at the Jets, like Quinn and Williams is set to take a huge step this year. You look at the Giants, you know, Dexter Lawrence – uh, is a pretty, pretty good nose tackle. Say what you want about the missed call two weeks uh, <laughs> two, but Dexter Lawrence is a good nose tackle on the Packers. You know, you got Kenny Clark uh, looking like good. All these nose tackles, like good nose tackles, that leads to a really helpful front seven. And yeah. to have a like a like a powerful front seven like the Panthers have right now, you got to have that Derek Brown or that Brian Burns. And no one really, no one really knows these players on the Panthers defense because no one's really watching Panther games. But I'm willing to say by the end of the season, people are gonna know who these yeah. players are on the Panthers' defense because they're sitting still at the statistical number one defensive football, and that's probably not going to change after this weekend. Yeah, 100%. So, like, let me ask you guys a question. Do you think there's any hope for the Texans this season? Right now, one uh, yeah, one and two seems to be – there's a miss. Like, there's QB situations. There's a lot of, like, situations going offensively and de- defensively. Is there any way this team comes somewhat – to the team that we kind of know as the Texans, or is it, is it just like a bust? Absolutely not. I'm looking at like their next. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Between their next seven games, I don't know if they can win any of them. I don't think the next game they could win is probably until they play the Jets. Oh yeah. But well, well just my opinion. It's like depends like how Davis Mills progresses in his career. But I feel like Tyrod Taylor gets hit by the injury bug too much, and he has a lot of potential as a quarterback, and he's never getting that his chance. When he's is on the field, he has shown a lot of potential that he can lead a team to a victory like he did in week one against Jacksonville. Granted, Jacksonville, yes. 
But still, he did show a lot of promise, and that he can lead a team, even with full dysfunction that the Texans have in their organization. Well, look, if Tyrod Taylor was a starting quarterback, i say that they'll definitely win before yeah. they play the Jets in seven games. But the issue is, is how much longer is Tyrod out with his hamstring injury? Uh, and also, on top of that, what if Davis Mills ends up playing well? Granted, I don't think Davis Mills is going to win them the amount of games Tyrod no, Taylor no, no, would. No. But for the Texans as a franchise, it'd make a lot more sense to play Davis Mills if he's even playing somewhat be- somewhat good um, than play Tyrod. Because, let's be honest, Deshaun Watson's never taken another snap. No. If, if he's not taking a <laughs> I snap mean, that, that, that's, Texans, that's, that's like the brutal truth. Deshaun like, he, Watson he's not... may not take another snap in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Uh, let alone for the Texans. The Texans have to look to move on there. And if Davis Mills is some spark of hope, Mitch, for even for the season, you gotta you, you gotta play Davis Mills. Even yeah. if even if Tyrod Taylor is the option that's gonna win you more games, because the Texans aren't going anywhere this year anyway with Tyrod Taylor. They're no. not gonna make the playoffs. They the team the organization as a whole knows that. I mean, so, I think I think in my opinion, I think personally, they 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 are just trying not to go, like you know. Oh, I mean, they're not going to go in 16, but, like, you know, well, one in 15. Game, so you know, they're trying to win a couple games. They're not trying to go, yeah. like, you know, complete blowout. And then maybe it might help them in the draft, you mm-hmm. know? Maybe if they go, like, you know, 2-14 and 14 or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you get the number one overall you get the pick, overall pick. take Sam Howell. Yeah. yeah. But Sam Howell, oh, he hasn't looked that good on <laughs> He's UNC He's not looked that all. good either. But let's move over to the Panthers. Season outlook going forward with the Panthers. The Panthers have an incredibly favorable schedule. Yeah. Uh, if you look at their next four games, they're all winnable. Uh, they play the Cowboys next week, but that is in Jerry World, so I, I still don't know what to make of the Cowboys yet. Uh, then they play the Eagles. That should be a win. They play the Vikings. Should be a win. They play the Giants. Depending on Another how the Giants, win. depending on how Daniel Jones starts playing, Daniel, Daniel Jones looks like how he did against Washington last week. Uh, maybe the Panthers have a run for their money there, but that should probably be a win. Then they play the Falcons twice. Uh, they play the Patriots. They should probably beat the Patriots. They should beat Washington. But uh, you know, I don't see like an absolutely explicit challenge for the Panthers until they put the Cardinals on November fourteenth. Yeah, I mean they they pretty much have a gimme until late November. Yeah. Until they play the Cardinals and they got you and know they got the Bucks. Dolphins, the Washingtons, and like they don't play the Bucks until like the last three weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. So I mean they got Bucks, Saints, Bucks. So yeah, it's gonna like, be it's gonna be a rough out, end of the season, a, but if they can even split with the Bucks, you know that's like that would be great. A huge win. That'd be yeah. huge, huge. But I three weeks into the season, it will hurt. They don't have CMC. Panthers going fourteen and three. What do you guys think? Fourteen and three. I was ta- I was thinking it out in my head a couple days ago. I went through the entire Panthers schedule, and I think the Panthers can go fourteen and three. I would not be shocked by that if I'm being completely honest with how they have looked in the first three weeks. They are like they they have absolutely fascinating to like they're absolutely fascinating team to watch. Like they have to, they can go deep with Robbie Anderson anytime they want. They can run the ball with CMC if he stays healthy. Chuba Hubbard has was a menace in college football. He looks like he can continue yeah, for Oak that. State, he looked great. He, I, I was shocked he went as late as he did in the draft. Like, if, if CMC, however, how long CMC's out, that's going to tell like how this team's going to be. Because Joe Brady, the office coordinator, is a mastermind. Oh yeah, I, you saw what he did at LSU. I, I, yeah, <laughs> this is probably his last year as the OC for Carolina. He's going to get a head coaching job, if not next year, then the year after. So this is probably going to be like how best, how great their offense is going to look for the time being. Despite any injuries, I can I can easily see him going fourteen and three. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty crazy to say the Panthers are going to go fourteen and three, but the way they've looked so far, and you know if you get CMC back, hopefully roughly in the next two or three weeks, 
they I could see them going fourteen and three, no question. I mean, they they just look you know phenomenal offensively and defensively. Like if their defense keeps playing the way they're playing, like other teams are gonna have a really hard time putting up points. As a whole, their team just they look so good. Another, they, but another thing that it's gonna possibly hurt the team is J C Horn. Yeah. Yeah. Losing J.C. Horn, was that was... That was uh, that what was do you do with that? What, what do they do with that? I mean... He's a tough defensive back. Like, he he did also has looked absolutely great. Granted, that front seven has been putting a lot of pressure. It's making the secondary jobs a lot, lot easier. Yeah. easier. Especially with being a rookie, he had a lot of potential showing. And when going down with that injury, it depends. Like Now, who are they going to fill that hole with? Like Is he going to be able to keep that production up? Because he was an early first-round pick. They had a high holes for him. Just now with their facing the Cowboys, like that receiver group is absolutely amazing. Like, they, uh, they're probably in terms of receiving cores, top two, top three. Oh, 100%. Like, complete yeah. receiving cores in the league. You know, you got Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and then Michael Gallup's really a good second option on almost any team. Michael Gallup's now the third option here. And then on top of Zeke and how they've been using Tony Pollard. I mean, it's a it's going to be a hard, hard-fought game. It's probably the best offense. It's definitely the best offense they've played. Yeah. So I think that's going to be the, uh, that's going to be uh, Carolina's test is the Cowboys and yeah. to see how they play because when you when you go up against that type of offense that really shows the type of defense you have. Mm-hmm. And this if they do come up on top with this game this will be their breakout. I w- I fully believe because they even Cowboys gave the, the defending champs a run for their money yeah. and the Chargers and they the beat Chargers. the Chargers like they, if they if somehow the Panthers do come on top their momentum going into the Eagles, Vikings, Giants, like they're going to have so high hopes for their season. Uh, Matt Rule's going to be uh, Matt Rule's like going to be the early favorite for coach of the year. <laughs> he's he's going to be a top of the list for everything. Like th- like they're going to look so smart. Like how they've done everything with the receiver group to like everything. It's going to be absolutely amazing. But can that secondary hold up against Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper? Yep. That's going to be the question. Yeah, especially losing game. Yeah, losing J.C. Horn, it's going to be the huge question. We'll see if, obviously, that front seven can play and break through like they have against the other three teams they've played this year. You know, that's going to definitely make the secondary jobs a lot easier uh, in terms of even getting the ball off. If Dak Prescott can even have time to throw the ball. Uh, but we will see. But stick around. We're going to take our first break of the show here. You are listening to On the Clock here on VIC Radio. La la la, I love to ride my bike so I can feel the wind through my hair. Hey kid, wear a helmet! No way, Grandpa, because then I'm looking like an idiot. Ah! <laughs> the majority of bicycle deaths are due to head injuries. Helmets reduce the odds of a head injury by 50%. Don't be a dummy, wear a helmet. Radio. Hello. Hey, what's up? How are you? Good, good, you know. It's so typical of me to talk about. No, like, no, like, tell me what you want to hear. That's why, you know, that's what radio DJs do. Take requests and, you know, are you, you're still talking, okay. Sounds good. We take requests. Call in at 607 274 1059 or tweet us at VIC Radio. Hello. 
I'm getting a catcher's mitt. I'm getting ice skates. I'm getting a jigsaw puzzle. I'm getting dying coral reefs. A blue bicycle. A walkie-talkie. I'm getting a severe drought. Cool block skateboard. I'm getting melted ice caps. A killer heat wave. A shrinking glacier. I'm getting a devastating flood. Adults are generous. We're even giving kids global warming. But it's not too late. We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution. Go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council. On the clock with myself, Guy Baltier, alongside me, Nick Lebrano and Dylan Hendersmith. So, let's get into it. Week three of NFL football. Nick, what games are you looking forward to? Uh, this week, I definitely think one that I think everybody should definitely be wanting to watch, you know, Buccaneers-Rams. That is a huge matchup. That is definitely a play- that's a matchup we get 100% see in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am so excited for that. Tomorrow, 425 p.m. kickoff Eastern time. Uh, that is going to be such, such a fun game to watch. Uh, I- what we really could be looking at is the NFC's top offense going up against the NFC's top defense. Uh, easy. That is going to be a oh, – it's going to be so much fun to watch. Gabe, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, you know, the Bucks have looked so good this past couple of games, and so have the Rams. You know, defensively, the Rams are the team to be reckoned with because they are just so strong defensively. Um, and, you know, what surprised me about the Bucks is just the Brady-Gronk. I know, we, I know this sounds kind of cliche, but the Brady-Gronk connection seems to be coming back. I don't know. What do, what do you think, Dylan? It, they have looked absolutely phenomenal, like Gronk looking – Five years younger. I know, right? Isn't it? Like, it's crazy. It, it's Gronk's back to like what he looked like on the Pats. That, that whole connection. It like, doesn't look missed a beat at all. Gronk le- Gronk's literally the receiving touchdown leader in the NFL right now. That's it's, crazy. It's absolutely absurd, like what he's doing, and like, you can't predict who's going to get the ball on this offense. Like Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown's looking like he was with the Steelers early on in his career, mm-hmm. and then like, Gronk, and they still have Gronk, like. Well, I think what's crazy to me is they all, all this team did was take a huge step forward from last yeah. year, really like in terms of like we're only two games into the season, but they look better they than do how look they better. did last year, and they brought back literally the, they didn't like replace anyone. They brought back their entire starting lineup on offense and defense. Every starter is back. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same team. They're rolling out the they're just they're really just repeating. Do you think they could repeat? It's so hard to repeat a Super Bowl. I know. It, it really but like, is but so if hard you to bring, repeat a Super I mean, Bowl. But if anyone was going to do it, it'd be a Tom Brady-led team. And especially like the way this Tampa Bay team's built. Their defense is so good, too. Every, they ha- this team has no holes. It's hard to see them lose. Yeah. 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 Barring injury, it's hard to see them lose any yeah. game. Especially with how Tom Brady's looked. He, Tom Brady looks like he's 29. 29. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy. I think... It, this team looks so just strong and powerful that it really is hard to be like, oh yeah, like you know they they might not make it to the Super Bowl. It's like no, this team is is legit. Like they're not messing around, and it, they're not a team, but like even better. Yeah, the Buccaneers are definitely going to at least like they're going to be playing their first like probably big league competition. Yeah. This week, in terms of the Rams, the Cowboys gave them a huge run for their money. They only won by they only won by two points. That was because of a game winning field goal. Yeah. Uh, so the Cowboys anyway did give them a run for their money. And if we do remember last week, the Falcons were trailing back. They were storming back at that one small portion of the game. They did make it close. The Bucks did pull away. But the Falcons were making it close at the middle to the end of the game right there. Uh, third, beginning of the fourth quarter. Could that be uh, said something about like their the Bucks defense, like letting up that many points a little bit? No, against they're Fal- probably just tired, in all honesty. that's like They've now been involved in two shootouts. 
Right. So right, right. they were probably just tired. This game, in my opinion, is going to be a lot more low scoring. Yeah. Um, I, the Rams, in my opinion, while they have a really they have a good offense, the Rams I don't think are going to put up like forty points on you, um, offensively. But they're going to keep you under fifteen. It also depends yeah. like how the health of Darnell Henderson is with the, his injury, and yeah. then how can Sony Michelle help this team, especially with Matt Stafford loving the play action like that's when week one he was yeah, yeah he was de- he was destroying the Bears, and especially with that his kind of arm talent he he it, like if he can show out against the Bucks with the with their injured secondary, this will be a fun match to watch Cooper Cup and Robert Woods going off. On we know this Bucks Gabe defense. likes Cooper Cup, indeed I do. <laughs> Thank you, Cooper Cup. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, like the connection with Stafford and, and Cooper Cup is just looks so strong. I mean, it, it's they're the just how they play and how th- these past couple of games have looked. I mean, he sta- like Cooper Cup is his go-to man. Well, you Let's know, look at it. like he 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 looks at the feeling he's looking for Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford has been a talented quarterback his entire career. The only reason no one really like knows about it is he played for the Lions. Yeah, I the, Matthew Stafford has he has an arm. He's huge in terms of a football IQ. He really sees the field differently and reads defenses perfectly. Uh, and no one talks about really that because who's playing for the Lions? And so no yeah. one's really watching Lion games at all. So Matthew Stafford now joins the Rams. It's definitely a bigger market team. A lot more national attention on the Rams because the Rams are they're actually like good. Uh, I don't think he ever really played on like an insanely good Lion team. He never won a playoff game with them. His best player, he was playing. He's playing a Megatron for a period of time, uh, and nothing to sneak. Megatron is one of the best wide receivers ever. Yeah. But in terms of what he's doing now, you know, it helps that he has a Cooper Cup. He had he had like Kenny Galladay on the on the Lions, but Kenny Galladay can't stay healthy. That's the huge knock with Kenny yeah. Galladay. But now he has two competent receivers, really, in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and either of them can arguably wide receiver one any either any week. Yeah, and uh, just the big difference with the coaching staff as well. Like Sean McVay, like he, we all know of him as like an offensive mastermind. Yeah, like he knows his stuff in and out. And what did Matt Stafford have in Detroit? Like subpar coaching week in week out. Yeah, like yeah, there was nothing going. They tried to get a defensive guy with Matt Patricia that did not work out at all. Creating more tension with Darius Slay, which ended up getting him shipped out. Like he, their staff just never worked with any of the stars and. This full dysfunction, which I feel bad for Matt Stafford, but now he might have found a home in Los Angeles with the Rams. So it's going to be fun to watch this that game as well. Yeah. Matthew Stafford. Gabe, what other games are you looking forward to this weekend? So another big matchup is, for me, Green Bay versus San Francisco. That's going to be a good one. I think that's going to be an interesting game to watch. See, Aaron. I mean, I can't tell if Aaron Rodgers is going to be good. I'm sorry, I can't tell. My emotions have never been higher <laughs> about a Packer team. I, I mean, I, it's you, you saw him against you know Week One Saints. It was just terrible, not good football. And you see him against the Lions, plays just, just balls out. Plays like looks like the the regular Aaron Rodgers we know. The only thing that I'm worried about is because that was the Lions, and that's the what Lions, I'm saying is like that's the, like, it's the Lions. Like, does is it actually him playing like he used to play, or is it just Lions because he's playing are, Lions? The Lions are they are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, uh, no, no one question. can debate that at all. Outside of really DeAndre Swift, Jared Goff's like competent enough, but outside of DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson, there's no one on this offense that's really so, like, that good. Is Their it, number one wide receiver is Quintez Cyphus. I have never heard of this person <laughs> before this season. So, like, is it the same Aaron Rodgers, or is it just they're playing Detroit? 
Like, or, or, or like, and that's the thoughts you go into to the San Francisco because you're like, oh, this is an actual, like, this is a good team. Well, this we'll is a know, strong team. You know, we'll know what the Packers are actually made of tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, exactly. I, I don't even think this might, this might not even be a real test for the Packers because with Matt Sala leaving to New York, this defense has not looked good at all. Well, that's the, fair. And they have and, no running game. And, and yeah, they have the no running, running game. Like everyone's being hurt on that offense. And even Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust Brandon Ayuk. Like yeah. it's all it's Debo Samuel, and then if George Kittle can stay healthy, like he had, if he like if he can stay healthy, unlike he has in the past years, like what does his offense have to offer? Like Jimmy G had to run the ball eleven times last week, and Jimmy G is fragile as it is, so you cannot have him run the ball eleven times in a game, especially against a Packers defense where you're gonna have to be throwing the ball a lot, a lot yeah. with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. If Aaron Rodgers can get something going. With like how subpar this four nineers uh, defense has looked at times, it's it. I can see it easily being a blow in a favor for the Packers because I don't know if they have the personnel to keep close, especially on that offense. Well, Trey yeah. Sermon's looking like he's probably going to get his chance on Sunday because looking at the depth chart right now, Elijah Mitchell is doubtful to play. Uh, Jermichael Hasty's already declared out. Declared out, yeah. Um, Raheem Mostert out for the year, so Trey Sermon looking like he's going to have to step up into the into running back one. They're definitely going to be going running back by committee. But yeah. I, I don't even know any other running backs on their roster I outside, mean, of, outside of Trey Sermon. That's three running backs. Like, your, three, your top three running backs are all hurt. And the same thing has happened now also with Baltimore. I mean, it's just it's it, injuries. You can't, like, you can't predict them. They just happen. And it, and it stinks that it happened so badly to the 49ers. It happened badly to Baltimore. So you know that's just how that's just how the game of football works. You know you're going to get injured. Um, it it does stink when it is like your three RBs and it's like okay now we got to play our fourth string RB. But that's just how the game of football goes. But looking forward for the Packers, I mean to Dylan's point, this could be an easy game for Aaron Rodgers and and Green Bay. But you look forward to to Week Four Steelers. Okay, maybe that's a little bit more. Of a challenge. Steelers suck. I'm not. I'm not but then, I, I don't but think they, I'm yeah. concerned about the Steelers. But then, so stay with me here. You have Bengals, Bears, Washington, and then really the the Green Bay starts getting their test. They get start getting tested against the Cardinals way late in October because after that they have Cardinals, Chiefs, uh, Seahawks, like Rams. I mean, it's just like that's where I feel like it starts getting. A little bit more difficult, so they have a couple of games where they could get a little bit of, of cushioning. Yeah, where they could get a little bit of you know. Once the Packers have to play, once the Packers have to play the Cardinals, it, can, it turns into like a, a ridiculous. Uh, it turns to a ridiculous string of games in terms of what the Packers are gonna have to play. They got to go the, on October twenty eighth. You have the Cardinals. The next week you play the Chiefs. The next week you play the Seahawks. The week after that you'll play the Vikings. That's not too concerning. But the week after that, then the Packers will play the Rams. Uh, they also got to play the Ravens, the Browns. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like so. It's like, definitely a hard matchup. You, the one division, like really, people don't. The two divisions that one really wants to play this year are the NFC West and the AFC North. Yeah, and the Packers have to play both, <laughs> which is a bummer. <laughs> just going back to the 49ers, like Trey Sermon could be a breakout star for this team if he somehow can stay healthy. Yeah, just looking back on his college career with Ohio State, his senior year, he only played eight games, but he rushed for 870 yards. Yeah, and, and there was 16 oh. attempts, and then his big his big that playoff performance game. was absolutely phenomenal. He carried that team on their back, mm-hmm. and it could just show like how much talent he could possibly have. So again, he could give the run for the money with that Packers front seven because they're not known for being able to stop the run. 
So it depends like how they can if if he can stay healthy. If they if can have Sermon a, had injuries and in, he had injuries if, in college. If if this if their running back group can stay healthy with this game, it will make a big difference to how it will be held because we all know 49ers love to play action. Yeah. And that's how Jimmy G is going to be able to get out of the pocket, avoid that pass rush from the Packers, get the ball out of his hands, get the ball to Debo, Debo Samuel, who's actually looked phenomenal, especially with his run after the catch. Um, it's, it, that's, if Trey Sermon can be someone of himself with Ohio State and Oklahoma, that's going to be a big difference how this game's going to be played. Yeah, yeah 100%. No uh, question. Mm-hmm. Looking over, like, let's see what let's see what else we got this weekend, you know. Steelers definitely going to lose. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Steelers, Bengals, I'm not even kidding. Actually, the Bengals are going to beat the Steelers. Oh, yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with that. Uh, no question. As I went off last week, I am not sold <laughs> on the Steelers, like, as a competent football team, really, at all. Outside of their defense, I think their offense is an absolute mess. And T.J. Well, Watt. Well, Big Ben is. And, yeah, and T.J. Watt. T.J. Yeah. Watt is the piece on that defense. Outside of maybe Mika Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Uh, Casey Hayward and Melvin Ingram, they both look phenomenal. Yeah. They have. They've looked good. There's some defensive pieces that are that are still very strong, but as a whole, the it, it, the, the defense just collapsed. I, and just, then, I don't even – I just don't – I'm not convinced the Steelers can even put up – I just don't think the Steelers can put up no. points on any team. Oh, no. And the Bengals don't have a good defense at all. I think the Bengals can put up points. I think the Bengals are going to be able to score on the Steelers' defense. Uh, I think the Bengals offensively are not bad at all. Uh, last week was a little bit of a fluke against the Bears, but you know the Bengals. They, look at the receiving core. They got Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. Well, T. Higgins T. is Higgins. out. Well, T. Yeah. is out for this game. <laughs> well, we'll talk about Jamar. Up. Jamar Chase oh, still yes. looks good. We are going to talk Jamar Chase later on. I have a little rant for myself. Later <laughs> but on. yeah, so like, I think, and also I, I, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, and don't correct me if I'm wrong, that Big Ben actually has an injury. His his pec, he's hurt. He has a little yeah. bit of a pec injury. So, I mean, we talked about it last week. He, he's getting old. He's old. You need to find a new QB. I he can't be around forever. I just don't understand why. Like, but why is he here? Still playing. Like, I I don't even think he does. He's not mobile. Uh, their offensive line, while it is maybe in the top half of offensive lines in the NFL, it's still a mediocre offensive line. Yeah, it used to be elite. It isn't anymore. Uh, Big Ben is nowhere near where he was, and when your top receiver is Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, you're not going to win. You're not going to win that. You're not going to win that. Yeah. And Najee Harris is still yet to impress me. Hasn't done much for me. Well, I don't. I don't. He. They have also have been crowding the line of scrimmage. They have been putting an extra man in the box to stop Najee Harris because when if he does get loose, who can bring him down? Right. He's just so he, yeah. He's yeah. massive in that sense, but. At the same time, like Najee Harris is ten carries, thirty eight yards, three point eight three point eight yards per carry. You when you draft a running back in the first round like that, they're expected to have an immediate impact. Well, also well look at his look at his stats from Alabama. I mean, granted, it's much different from you know NFL and college, but the dude was running for much more yards than he is now in the NFL. Yeah. Like he, he was a powerhouse of a running back. You also think, like, college defenses don't rack up to anywhere near where NFL well, yeah, defenses of course. are. So, like, games take time to translate. Let's remember, like, as dominant as CMC is today, CMC was not this dominant his rookie year. No, no, no. no of course not. The, another problem with the Steelers is that O-line. They cannot oh, yeah, that to old, save their <sighs> life. They lost. They had lost a lot of pieces with Marquise Pouncey and, oh, uh, what? David Escalso. Yeah. Like those two were leaders of the team and they were not they were not bad as it at all. They were average above average offensive linemen, especially in the middle middle of the line. So now that they have replaced them and now they have 
they could barely block as it own as last year. Now they they lose two key pieces on their offensive line. Even like like Alejandro, well, I can't pronounce his last name. Who's now Villanueva? Yeah, now he's over in Baltimore, mm-hmm. who was another key piece at O line. So they were replacing three offensive linemen on that team. Three offensive line. Three out of five. So, so new chemistry. They're still learning how to block together. They're still learning how to like pass block, run block, as it is. So I wasn't expecting anything big of Najee Harris early on. And I don't necessarily feel like he fits his offense as it is because he is more like Big Ben got to be on the center hand ball off to Najee Harris that way. But they, they have to go shock him, give Big Ben more time and have him see the field and let those wide, wide receiver group work, go to work. And another big thing is Deontay Johnson is also out this week. Mm-hmm. So now yeah, he's only going to be able to throw to Chase Claypool and Juju. Yeah. So now they're going to even have more pressure on Big Ben and Najee Harris to get the ball out and let Najee go to work with running the ball. So I think that's going to be more pressure, and they're going to put more people in the box to stop the run. Because if Najee does have a breakout game, oh, Lord, then the yeah. could be in trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah look, so... obviously, if Najee Harris the breakout game against the Bengals, and I'm just totally wrong about the, uh, yeah. the Steelers' offense then. Because if Najee Harris can run the ball, the Steelers' offense changes on a dime. Because right now, they just they can't run the yeah. ball. So they have to have Big Ben air it out, and that doesn't work either. So Well, here's no the other thing. is like To Dylan's point with the O-line, is like, Ben is not, as you said, he's old, he's not mobile, he can't get out of the pocket. It's like, so when you have a bad old line, he's going to get he, he's gonna sacked. sacked. And, like, he has no time. He's not like, you know, Kyler Murray who can run out of the pocket and just be like, boom, I'm going to go, like, on a, you know, 50-yard run. It's like, no, he'll take a couple steps back, drop back, look to pass, and he's 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 going to get pummeled. I don't think Ben could even, like, I don't think Ben could even competently, like, run one yard upfield. No. And so when you have, when you have a weak old line... It just puts more pressure on your QB because those defenders are going to get through, and it's like he obviously with you know his age and size, it's like he's not mobile. Let's be honest, no. he's not mobile, so he's obviously going to just going to chuck the ball up, and hopefully his his wide receivers will catch the ball. Yeah. So, but and I I think and to Dill's points, like you know you get a good O line, you get some good blocking, Najee Harris is going to have a, a field day. Yeah, to go off. I just don't think he fits into a Ben style offense. No, at yeah, all. No. He he, they, he doesn't fit well in this. Uh, offense. Like I don't think a Ben style offense should even exist on the Steelers. But Najee Harris doesn't fit into what they're trying to do. No, not at all. One more team to talk about before the break that I think has been a shock this year so far in terms of how well they've really come together and played is the Raiders. Derek Carr has looked so good. Um, especially you look at the second half, Week One against the Ravens. Uh, Derek Carr, Derek Carr went off. Uh, and then last week, he plays the Steelers. Derek Carr had another fantastic game, 382 passing yards, two touchdowns. Uh, if he had nine rush yards to go on top of that, and he's completing most of his passes. He went 28 for 37. Mm-hmm. So is this a will f- I'll pitch up an old for you. Is this a fluke year, a fluke two games for Derek Carr? Or is Derek Carr really picking up the pace knowing that if he doesn't, his job's on the line? Well, as we've also seen in years past with this Raiders team, they're always good in the first 10 weeks of the year. They're a phenomenal. What they went like, what seven and three last I year? I think they went yeah. seven and three seven in their first three. ten last like year that. and then fell off. Like so, that like I'm not the first half. They're going to be phenomenal. We know that John Gruden gets the team riled up, but then the second half, that's where the difference is going to be made. If they can keep the energy, keep the fire, like oh no, we can do this, and we're going to be better than you think. With Darren Waller there and Josh Jacobs stay healthy, and they have uh, Kenyon Drake back there as well, who but, can also come out of the backfield, but. If they can, if they can keep it going, like this, they they could be reckoned with with the Chiefs and Chargers. Like they, Derek Carr has shown a lot of potential. He can lead a team like he did a couple years ago before getting that's 
That uh, ACL injury. Uh, yeah, it's like he is he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks I firmly believe in the NFL. No one talks about him and he should get more love. And they're facing the Dolphins team who is no scrubbing themselves, like they can play defense and they're if they can continue, like it's it's gonna be a fun game to watch, especially that Raiders uh, offense against the Dolphins defense, like who knows what's going to happen because Derek Carr can have a field day. Mm-hmm. And like to your point, while we were talking about last year and maybe the year before that with John Gruden, we see the Raiders offense, like the Raiders as a whole, play really well the first 10 weeks of the game, but I don't remember seeing him. I don't remember John Gruden getting this much out of Derek Carr, period. Yeah. It, granted, yeah, we're yeah. only two games of the season. I don't want to overreact, but I have not. I, I don't know if I've seen Derek Carr play this good. Well, we talked about it last week. You said he's playing for his job. Oh yeah, he so is playing for his job. He is playing for his job. So Derek Carr has any any bit of a subpar season, the Raiders will move on. So like that thing is like he has a chip on his shoulder. So maybe that's why he's playing the way he's playing. He's like, well, I got to play well because yeah, if I don't play well, I'm losing my job. And so we see it. We saw it against the Ravens. We definitely saw it against the Steelers. He, he definitely balled out against the Steelers. And now he, you know, I'm not saying Miami's less less than the Steelers or Ravens, but they're not as good. So. This, I feel like for him, is kind of like a, you know, you can take the, the foot off the gas a little bit because you're playing the Dolphins. But to Dylan's point, the Dolphins' defense is very strong. They are very good. So who knows what it's going to be like. But, you know, obviously if I were going to pick a team to win, it's going to be the Raiders this weekend. I'm also going to go with the Raiders over the Dolphins this weekend. Um, the Dolphins' defense is a, is a top unit in the NFL, really. But, you know, Tua out. Tua hasn't been impressive either. There's really the first two games of the season, and now Brissett's going to come in. I don't know how much they're at, like, their offense really, how good their offense really is. Um, I think the the Dolphin offense does tend to fall flat. Yeah. With, with Jacoby Brissett, he does like to hold the ball for a long period of time, which allows more sacks and hits on him, in which he hasn't been healthy necessarily for his whole career either. So Max Crosby can have a can get there because the Dolphins O line is not necessarily their strong point. It's probably one of the weak points of this team. So he he's going to create some havoc, I believe, against this Dolphins defense. And going back to the Raiders, one thing I think they're making a big improvement is they're targeting Darren Waller a lot more. Like week one, what he had like nineteen targets for Darren Waller, something like, like that. Like he had nineteen targets, and after the press conference, John Green was like, "If I can get the ball, if I could target him twenty five times a game, I'm going to do that." I want to find ways to get that ball in his hands because he is a playmaker. He's top two easily, top uh, tight end behind Travis Kelsey. He's probably. I, yeah. pro- I, I think right now in, ter- in the NFL, the top three tight ends in the league are probably Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you have that dynamic playmaker for the Raiders, and they ha- like they have a special connection with Derek Carr and Darren Waller. They're like they're they're elite duo as the best as they can get in the NFL. So like now they're learning. All right, we get, we get the ball in his hands. It's gonna be absolutely amazing, and he's gonna get to work. Mm-hmm. That's gonna do it here for the second block here on On the Clock. Please tune in. You are listening to On the Clock here on VIC Radio. Don't change that dial. Keep it here. www.vicradio.org. See our daily schedule, take a look at our wide selection, especially programming, and learn more about our annual 50-hour marathon. That's VICradio.org, your online home for the best of what's next. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. 
We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. We have an app. Take VIC Radio with you on your iOS device. That's right. The best of what's next is available wherever you go. Current song information, in-app access to social media, sleep timer, and alarm clock settings. It's all there. Download the VIC Radio app from the App Store today. Medical mistakes claim tens of thousands of lives every year. The healthcare community is working on it, but you can help. When you communicate with your doctor, when you ask more questions, you reduce your risk of suffering a medical mistake. Doctors can't answer if you don't ask. Help reduce your risk. Questions are the answer. Learn the 10 questions you must ask. Visit www.ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, and the Ad Council. You are on the clock here on VIC Radio. If you are just joining us now, I'm Nick Lebrano. Alongside me, Gabe Baltierra, and our special guest, Dylan Hendersmith, here on The Vic. Dylan, you have some hot takes for us this week. That was your main reason for wanting to be here. So give me and your Gabe your best hot takes, and we will tell you if you're absolutely insane or not. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to start off one that's going to be down in Jacksonville. So we all know the situation with Urban Meyer and his recent press comments with, well, not what he has told Vic Fangio about how it's preparing for a team is almost like playing Alabama every week and how much stress he has had on him, how his like health uh, issues is going on when he was down in college back in Ohio State. So a hot take I have right here is Urban Meyer will retire by the season end before the season ends with Jacksonville and will go over to USC as their new head coach. Yep, yep. I can agree with that. I really can. I mean, here's the thing: is like Urban Meyer, <clears throat> phenomenal coach, right? In college, was a great coach. Um, but coming to the NFL is a different. It's a different adventure. It's a different challenge to accept, especially when you're going to Jacksonville because that team is, uh, you know, not not very good. And with USC firing their head coach, I really could see Urban Meyer going there. Really, I really could see him because right now he is not enjoying his time at Jacksonville. I, I don't think Urban Meyer's game actually translates very well no. to the to the NFL to the so NFL. far. It really hasn't. And you've to, he has a point there. Where you have to game plan very differently uh, for college football teams uh, week to week than you do for NFL teams because every team in the NFL is better than Bama. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every team you put out there is, is better than is better than the top college football team in the country. Uh, so it's it's definitely a lot harder to game plan against certain teams, uh, against pretty much every team. And if your game doesn't adapt to the NFL, you're done. Yeah. Uh, and Urban Meyer, you know, he may not be that guy. You know, Pete Carroll was able to was able to adapt his game to the NFL, but you know, Nick Saban, who's one of the most adhered head coaches in the entirety of North American sports, uh, his game did not work in the NFL when he was on the Dolphins. Yeah. And I can compare. We, I think we can compare Urban Meyer to Nick Saban because. Nick Saban came to the NFL and was like, like just like Urban Meyer, his game plan does not work for the NFL. His game plan, full, like flawless in college football, flawless, but does not work in the NFL. Like so Jacksonville looks awful. They're not good. They're, they're so not bad. good. And I think if Urban Meyer was like, okay, you know what, tried it, 
wasn't for me, goes to USC, his game plan, well, you know, no one knows what's going to be like for him at USC, but would be, it, I feel like it'd be, he would do much better and his game plan would do much better because that's just who he is. He's a college football player I don't or think a, a coach. I don't really me. think there's any chance that like Urban Meyer is going to retire midseason. No, uh, no, I think no. I think Urban Meyer may at the end of the season maybe, uh, but I also don't think he's going to USC. Like all you those rumors. No, I, th- I think if he retires, he's done. Because his health problems. That's like the main oh, reason he's retiring. Yeah. Why yeah, would he yeah. go to? U- why would he go continue coaching for like a, a top school like USC? Um, money. So, yeah. Well, money. <laughs> money's That's, a big one. He can probably so, get paid more than he is in the NFL. So Clay Helton got paid four point five million dollars to be the head football coach at USC, which ranks twenty first out of the all college coaches. Urban Meyer's going to obviously get more for that, and he's probably going to be around Nick Saban money, if not Ed Orgeron, who Ed Orgeron doesn't get. You wouldn't think he's be a top NFL coach who gets paid, but he does. He gets paid about $8.6 million as to be the head football coach for LSU. That's nuts. And Urban, I mean, Nick Saban gets paid $9.1 million. Is he going to get $9.1 million? I don't think so. But He could you, get Ed or, he could he get, could get Ed Coach O money, money, which would rank him second most in the, college football. In college football. And let's be honest, USC has money to spend. They're, oh, they do, and, and they're a des- they're a, they're a program desperate. that's desperate right now to like yes. turn it around again. So if say they say somehow, some way, they can get an Urban Meyer to be the head football coach. Recruiter, he's a very talented recruiter. He can get top talent in California to come and play instead of going to Alabama's of the world, LSU's of the world, Ohio State's of the world. Keep that talent in in state and make that program a top premier program as they were back in the early 2000s with Reggie Bush back when they had the big games mm-hmm. against Vince Young in Texas. And you know, one thing I really noticed about Pete Carroll, not Pete Carroll, uh, Urban Meyer, and how he's been coaching Jacksonville, Urban Meyer, had, like, in his college uh, in his college game plans, he has a lot of run-heavy offense. He always have a lot of really good running backs, top running backs. And he's at Ohio State, you know, he had Zeke, and then after Zeke left, he had other run- he had just running backs. Jacob right. Dobbins. Yeah, Jacob, yeah. yeah. And on the on the Jaguars, I, you can see that he doesn't want to stick with one feature back. Uh, in terms of he has James Robinson, who had a who had a really good year last year. In reality, James Robinson did have a good season last year, but he's not being used as much as he did. He drafts Travis Etienne in the first round, and he also signed Carlos Hyde. Mm-hmm. So that's like right there. That's three running backs that like potentially like have starting caliber like potential all on one offense and it just seems like he's trying to stack on running backs. It seems like he's trying to teach treat Jacksonville like as a college football team. Yeah. Which and it doesn't work. Do in the NFL, you you can't work. do that. It doesn't work like that. And I think he very quickly realized that it does not work. Like he saw that it's just his game plan that used to work for Ohio State does not work for Jacksonville. Does not work for the NFL. It's not going to translate. As much as you think it would translate it's not going to translate. Running back by committee does work for some NFL teams. For some, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you have top running backs like that are all that all could be potential feature backs in your running back rotation, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right. there's not enough there's not enough balls for yeah. everyone to. Take. All right, let's get another hot take right. here. It's another one. I have been having this argument a lot this week <laughs> with other people outside of this room, but let's go with Jamar Chase will be wide receiver number one for the Cincinnati Bengals at by the season end. By, so, season end. So by season end. My logic here is with this. Last time we saw Jamar Chase was with Joe Burrow and his fascinating season he did in, back in LSU. He took a year off. He's not used to the ball, wasn't practicing the ball. Do I know why? No. It doesn't make sense? No, not at all. Why would you go and start continuing practicing the college ball? Week one, he was absolutely fascinating. And if I feel like 
with Joe Burrow when he played. Not he didn't play that many games last year with Cincinnati. He didn't create a good connection with T. Higgins and uh, Tyler Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Um, so that connection isn't really there. The chemistry's not really there. But the chemistry he has with Jamar Chase, I feel like when in doubt, he's gonna go try to look for him his way. And we saw what he did week one, turning Patrick Peterson around, looking at him look like he's dancing in the field. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Actually getting absolutely open. His footwork is there. If he can catch the ball and become used to that NFL ball. He could have a breakout season with this team, and Joe Burrow is going to be looking for him when in doubt, get the ball to Jamar Chase, and let him do his thing. You know, yeah. I think Jamar Chase has a chance to have it next season, but I don't think it's going to happen at the end of the year. Um, I think not. Nah, uh, T. Higgins has the year on him, and if T. Higgins stays healthy, I think. And, and Tyler Boyd also has the years on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just, no. There's two I think, other I think, there's two other I think top he... wide receivers that are now that have now been in the league, I think Jamar Chase maybe finishes second wide receiver on the depth chart over one of those two. But I don't think he's going to break number one. But I think when the season starts for the 2022 season, yes, Jamar Chase will be the number one receiver yeah. in Cincinnati. I think, it's I, just not at the end of this yeah. year. I think because he took what Dylan said, like he took last year off. So he has very, you know, there's a little bit of a gap there. So I think that's kind of putting him at a disadvantage. But he's been playing very well. You know, now T. Higgins, how maybe he has a little bit, gets some more reps in there. So I do see him being a a solid player, but is he the starter? Is he the is he the first pick? Mm, hey, look. I, I don't I don't know. I agree with you, Nick. I think next year, yes, he he will be the guy. But right now, it just there's you know he hasn't played in a year. He's just getting back into the group of things. I think the LSU connection is there, like him and Burrow when they played back at LSU. Like there's a connection there for sure, and that's going to be. Up, that's going to be a, a very good connection, but right now I, I don't I don't see him being at, at the end of the season their top guy. It definitely like helps Jamar Chase's case. Now yeah. that T Higgins isn't playing this week because if Jamar Chase just has like an absolutely insane week, I mean you know, he moves <laughs> and, up on the depth chart, and it's against a good opponent against the Steelers. Against, yeah, it's, and it's against the Steelers, they have, so they have a really good secondary. If Joe Burrow can find his way, say seven eight times, get a touchdown or two in there, it's gonna be like okay, this kid can actually play. It's gonna show. <laughs> The coaching staff, like, all right, we gotta get the ball, and this gets hands more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So T Higgins going down with the injury might actually ma- it might it might help Jamar Chase's case. You know. Yes. I, I see where you're coming from. I do disagree with your point. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get another hot take. All right, Tyler Heineke will lead the Washington Football Team to the conference championship. Woo! So, oh my all right. So we're looking at this NFC NFC East. <laughs> There's not much there with a team with talent. The Dallas you Cowboys. This one. Huh? You changed this one on me. Nope. <laughs> okay. No, we're, 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 I'm getting into it. Tyler Heineke looked absolutely amazing against the Buccaneers in the playoffs and in, in that spot start. He gave them a run for money, and they end up winning the Super Bowl. He, has looked, he looked amazing against Giants defense, who was arguably top five in the, uh, in the NFL last year in his first game as starting and his third career start. Tyler Heineke is going to get more reps with the team. Ron Rivera is going to lead on him more. And the problem was with this team so far this year is that their running game has not been there. So if the running game could continue with Antonio Gibson, uh, J.D. McKissick, with that tandem, that could be absolutely amazing. And when they get Curtis Samuel back, this team could be reckoning with, especially as how talented that defense is for the football team. I believe that he they can win the NFC East and have run for the money against the Aaron Rodgers world with how great that pass rush can be and find their way into the NFC Championship game and potentially even going to the Super Bowl with how if Tyler Heineke can keep up his production. Taylor Heineke did look he, t- Taylor Heineke looked good last week against the Giants. Um, his first career win, I'll put that in quotation marks, because the NFL <laughs> literally said that they didn't win pretty much. But 
I need to see him do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he yeah, sure, he looked good against the Bucks in the playoffs, but that all could have been a fluke. I need to watch him, what, we're in week three now? Let's see him do it. Let's see him do it through week 18. He's yeah. facing Both. Bills this week, so that's well, yeah, so we'll that'll have, be a good test. That'll yeah, we'll be a have, good we'll test. We'll have our test really there. Is Taylor Heineke legit? Can he beat the Bills? I do believe so. How they're playing and that no, they, how the Bills are playing. Yeah, it very yeah. well could beat the Bills, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's very up in the. I mean, he don't get me wrong. Yes, had a to Nick's point, quote unquote, good game, good win against the Giants, the Giants. but I think we need to see him play a little bit more to get a good sense of of. What this QB one is like, and is he really legit? Even even if like even if I think like I think them winning the NFC East is like a totally plausible thing that can very much win. Oh yeah, very so yeah, yeah. But I, With, him saying he's going to go to the a- NFC Championship he, game, they can get they're going to get a home field game in the wild card. They would do in the NFC East, which that he wa- would probably that Washington, have to beat. He have to beat like a top quarterback. That Washington yeah. crowd can get into it. Whoever has the Wildcats spot, whoever they're playing, um, and we all know what that front seven can do, led by Chase Young. Their front seven's ridiculous. Their front so seven is, is very big they and can very create, strong. They can create havoc against any NFL quarterback there is. Um, so I I believe if that defense can stay healthy and they can continue creating havoc, it's going to be amazing. All right, so let's get one let's more get one hot more take. In. We have four minutes left here. Dylan, pick your best hot take. All right, so this is going to be a little, a little controversial, but. I don't know how y'all can see this. Um, Rondell Moore, he will finish with more receiving yards than DeAndre Hopkins. So when I, when I mean by this is uh, Rondell Moore has looked absolutely fascinating the first two weeks for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, racking up yards here and there. Has the highest PFF grade for against old coverage. Uh, they're, every time he's on the field, they're trying to get him the ball. And DeAndre Hopkins is not getting targets as you would think he would, being a top one, top two receiver in the NFL. Um, he's gotten what, like four targets last week? He did, and then Rondell Moore had seven or eight receiving yards. I mean, uh, reception. Sorry, my bad. Um, whenever he's on the field, he, they're trying to get the ball in his hands. He's absolutely explosive coming out of the slot, having an emotion, giving the ball like with quick touch passes. And Kyler Murray is absolutely amazing getting in and out of the pocket. And when he's on the run, and somehow they have this amazing connection already early on in his career. Hey, I I loved Rondell Moore at Purdue. Uh, I really yeah. was hoping the Packers would take him. Uh, or he'd fall to the Packers in the second round, just something. It didn't end up happening. He's now a Cardinal, but uh, I thought that he was just explosive at Purdue. He is he is such a fun wide receiver, really, to watch. Uh, Kyler Murray, not Kyler Murray, Rondale Moore. And if you look at what he did against the Vikings, you know, seven receptions, 114 yards, one TD. He had over 10 targets, I'm pretty sure. But... What help? What is helping Dylan's case in this ma- in this matter is that DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to be doubled every every yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't expect Rondale Moore to get this amount of targets. With he's also sharing an offense with like he's also, AJ Green and Christian Kirk are also in this offense, and Christian Kirk's getting targets, and so is AJ Green. Yeah, and I think you know to Dylan's point, like Moore has this. I mean, you know, talking about Purdue, has this very just smart attribute to himself where he can, you know, Kyler Murray can hand him off the ball. And he can make a play out of nothing, and that's how he gets those yards. Is he just like you want, like as someone that just watches football, you can't see, but he just has that thing in his head where he's like, I can make a play out of nothing, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of his yards comes from. Is he's like, okay, I can, you know, it should have been two or three yards. I'm going to make it ten, fifteen yards. So, yes, and it and to Nick, your point, yes, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be covered by multiple defenders, mm-hmm. multiple safeties, multiple corners. So, I don't know if he's going to have the most yards, but 
it'll be close because Moore has this attribute to him that he can make a play out of nothing and get more than just, you know, three or four yards. Yeah, but uh, Rondell Moore is going to be a fascinating second option to go next to DeAndre Hopkins week in and week out. I think that he's definitely a better wide receiver than Christian Kirk and A.J. Green at this point in his career. I'll take Rondale Moore over both of them as a rookie. I think I, I will go out and say on a whim that I think Rondale Moore will finish over 1,000 receiving yards this year. Yeah. Easy. 100%. If not like 1,200 receiving yards. But that's going to take us down to the end here on On the Clock today. Catch us on BIC Radio every week at 10 a.m. every Saturday morning. Don't forget to tune in for your best football analysis, sports analysis, and maybe Dylan will come back for some more hot takes here in and here out. But thanks for listening to On the Clock this week. Be sure to tune in next week. Stick it here on.